0: You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez.
1: Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and today we're talking about an investment fourplex that we helped a client buy up in Longmont, Colorado. So, my name is Chris Lopez. I was one of the agents on this deal. I'm an agent your of Real Estate, and I've got the uh, Preston Newberry on here, who's an agent, helped out this deal as well. Preston, glad to have you here.
0: Thanks for having me back, Chris. Uh, really looking forward to jumping into this one. We don't normally play outside of the metro area very much, so it was uh, fun to get up north and uh, and do a deal up in Longmont.
1: Yeah, but when a deal this good falls in your lap, you find something to buy. Absolutely. So the backstory here, so starting with the property itself, uh, we said it's a great location. We really like Longmont because Longmont is really one of the last affordable parts of Boulder County. And so within Longmont, you know, it's it's still expensive relative to a lot of the parts of the country, but relative to Boulder, it's definitely on the inexpensive or cheaper side. So it's in Longmont, which is I think has overall has a great upside there. But then this fourplex is only a few blocks off of Main Street. So it's a really great location from there. If you guys have never been to Longmont, they've got a a Main Street that runs up and down you know, uh, all through Longmont. And it's just if you're the closer you are to it, you know, the better you are, basically. So our client was looking for a fourplex in an up and coming area and hoping for just continued strong rental demand and also upside for some appreciation. And so a little bit about the investor's profile. Uh, This was not his first investment property. And he was currently house hacking. Our uh, Over 50% of his mortgage was paid for by his tenant that lived with him, but he did not want to move again and do the nomad process because he really liked his location, just awesome property he has and wanted to stay there. But he's done a couple of real estate transactions in the past and had uh, a good chunk of money that he wanted to use as a down payment. Now, what we did, he had a timeline of about 10 or so years out, and I'll give or take a year, where he wanted a certain cash flow number so that way he could do an early retirement. And then the properties, you know, the rental income on the properties would cash flow and then bridge his early retirement up until he gets his full retirement, social security, all that, and then continue to make the real estate income. So we sat down, as we always do in our our investing strategy sessions with our clients, and we mapped out the numbers. We said, great, you got this amount of money now. Here's your goal in 10 years. And basically the way it worked out was he could go out there and, and buy a fourplex now, And then based off his savings rates and some other uh, cash coming available, he'd go out there and buy another fourplex in a couple of years. And then having two paid-off fourplexes would be right around the number that he needs for his early retirement. So he ran some models and buying a fourplex now, then buying another fourplex in a couple of years. And then once he buys that second one, take in the cash flow from the properties along some of the savings rate and start doing a debt snowball. So he would take all the cash flow, and then pick one of the four plexes, probably the one with the lowest loan balance, and then start uh, paying down that debt aggressively to get that thing paid off, then pay that off, and then move on to the second property. And that should match with his timeline of doing an early retirement. Now, of course, we're doing all you know modeling on here, and it's our best guess. Will it work out perfectly in 10 years? Probably not, but it should be you know working out close enough or be within a year or so of that timeline because there's so many variables in there that we can't control. But it made sense for him from this standpoint uh, to go and buy a property. Like A lot of our clients, he's busy. He does not want to go out there and do a bunch of rehabs. He just wanted a, a good property where he could invest some money and then play the longer financial game to make it hit, hit his goals. So this property, like a lot of the Maltese, came through networking and we did not go out there and specifically find this property for the client, as we always talk about we're always out there networking with other agents, with investors, uh, looking at the MLS scene, what's coming up out there. Well, we had met with our client, we're getting things, we started hunting and looking for things, and then this came across our email inbox, and we were like, "Wow, this looks like a great deal uh, because in addition to being the great location, This property also had a lot of renovations done to it. So lots of updates and lots of capital expenditure updates as well. So the layout of this place, four units, two of them are two bedroom, one bathrooms, and they are like townhouse style. So they have like a first and second floor. And then there's two units that are ground floor and they're one bedroom, one bathroom units. So we got this through networking and I know they were originally gonna sell it for 950, maybe a little bit higher. We end up going to our contract around 925. So other things we liked about the property, they were in unit washer and dryers. They were separately metered utilities, and there were three garages on the property there. So Preston How what was the contract like on this one?
0: This one was, uh, was pretty straightforward. Um, the nice thing about this property is they were actually just finishing up the rehab when it came across our desk. So we knew that there was a little bit of work left to do, and they still had some, some people up there. So, um, you know, once we went up and toured the property, we were able to get into a couple of the units that were still vacant, and they were in the process of finishing those and getting them leased up. Um, and so that gave us a little bit of, uh, of traction to be able to work uh, and negotiate on the price a little bit before we went under contract. So that was nice. Um, once we uh, got under contract, um, as always, we did an inspection. Um, and with most rehabs, you're always gonna have some punch list items that need to be sorted out or taken care of. So uh we did find some stuff, but nothing crazier or outlandish, and the sellers were uh really willing to work with us and, and get that stuff repaired. Um the other thing that came up that was a little bit more of a major problem was uh was some sewer repairs. Um and the funny thing about this is that uh the seller actually knew about the sewer repairs. Um, and thought that they had been done, uh, prior to us going under contract and even to the point where, uh, the contractor had sent him a bill, but the work never actually got done. So, um, kind of a funny little thing there, but we were able to get the sewer line repaired. Um, and everybody was, uh, back to
1: the races. And the reason we found that had not been repair is because even if it's a brand new sewer line that's been replaced or you're going out there buying new construction, you always spend $140, whatever it is, and go out there and do a sewer scope you always want to see what that sewer is like so we're like hey you know normal stuff we we'll go out there do inspection do sewer scope and you know we told the uh the sewer guy that it had been replaced and he goes out there and, and you know sends the video back where it just crumbled at the end of it and he's like yeah i don't think it's been replaced um and it was a pretty significant sewer repair because it was actually at the tap uh, going under the road and this was you know not a busy road, but also wasn't a quiet residential street, so it had to bring in the city, and there's a lot more moving parts on there as well. Fortunately, the sellers did take care of it, which was really, really nice. So for financing, uh, our client used a local bank, and he opted to go with the local bank and do a ARM product with so an adjustable rate mortgage, uh, which requires twenty percent down so with a big difference between local bank mortgages on Two to four multi-property unit properties versus conventional thirty-year fixed is that they can do twenty percent down on two to four units, so it gives you greater leverage because in a property like this, that's an extra five percent you're not bringing down, so that's another like forty some thousand dollars he's not bringing down. Well, that forty thousand dollars is getting saved to buy fourplex number two uh, down the road, and so typically you see a five-year or seven-year arm. So you got five years or seven years of a fixed interest or a fixed interest rate. And then after that, five or seven years, the rate adjusts. So some clients like it, some don't. Uh, our client was all for doing an ARM product since his strategy was to acquire this, acquire another property, and then go towards paying them off. And since there's a high likelihood that this is paid off within you know ten years or so of purchasing the property, uh, it gives them very uh, you know very low exposure to long term interest rate risk. In case for some reason interest rates spike in seven years. Well, he's only got you know, $80,000 left on his principal or you know, a small amount. Well, who cares if interest rate spikes because he's paying it off aggressively? Now, if you were doing that for 30 years, that might be a different story. So he was happy with it because he got to do a lower down payment uh, to save an extra thousand dollars for the next property and also got a lower interest rate, which I think was right around 4%. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, appraisal came at value. Seller concessions, none. And on these types of rates, uh, no rate buy down or uh, there's no PMI since he's putting down 20%. So plugging this into uh, Joe Massey's rental spreadsheet, you can see here we put in 20% for the down payment range, put in 925 for the purchase price. Uh, acquisition costs were probably about $15,000 or so to give you a rough ballpark. Um, no seller credits, you know, no initial repairs. So for all in. He was in there for about two hundred thousand dollars, so you know that is pretty great leverage on an asset that's almost a million dollars. His interest rate uh, was either four percent or four and an eight, so we plugged in four percent, so very very low. And then the rents I'm about to read off—they include the rents plus hundred dollars a month per unit in rent and utility bill back. So sixteen fifty plus seventeen seventy five plus seventeen twenty five plus $1,765. So altogether, that's about $6,900 in change in total rental income. So then to write it, we put in 5% vacancy and then 3% rent increase, 3% appreciation rate. Going on to the next part of Joe's spreadsheet, uh, we said yes to property management. And uh, since this was in Longmont, a lot of our uh, property management relationships, they don't manage in, in Longmont. so we you know, started reaching out to our network. Uh, I had been talking with a company and they do manage up there. And so they've actually got an option there where they can do a traditional uh, percent rate or they can do a flat uh, a flat rate. And so this property manager is GK Houses and they did a flat rate of $109 per month. So what we do is $109 per month times four units, divide that into the total rental income, and it basically comes out to be about a 6.3% um, property management fee, which is usually, you know, that's a, a, you know, a point or a little bit more than a point lower than a lot of times what we see. So for the spreadsheet, we round up to 8% just to help, you know, cover any of those miscellaneous property management fees of lease ups and, you know, things like that. We always like to round up versus rounding down. So even though it's playing a flat rate uh, with our conservative underwriting, we put an 8% there. For monthly repairs and reserves, we put in 8%. Now, since this is a rehab property, we should hopefully be, you know, 5% or lower for the first couple of years. Um, But you never know. There's stuff that always comes up. Even though it's a rehab property, there's always a few punchless items that, you know, fall through the cracks. You have tenants in there, tenants, you know break things on purpose or by accident, whatever it is. So we're always gonna have some repairs and maintenance. Uh, but over the long run, you're gonna be closer to that 8% is a very common rule of thumb we see out here in Denver. So we plugged in 8% with the hopes that we'll be quite a bit lower the first few years. Um, but again, better to be conservative than be too liberal with those underwriting assumptions. Taxes, about $3,400 a year. Property insurance is just under $1,900 a year. Now, I don't have the, uh, the breakdown of the utility mix for the utilities on this property, but I was actually talking to the property manager a while ago, and he said it's pretty much about a break even from the, the, the utility bill back they collect with the fee with the uh, landlord utilities that he's paying. So it's pretty much a wash. And that's the way it should be if you're charging rubs through tenants, is that's really meant to be not be a profit center, but to offset utilities that you're paying on their behalf for them to live on the property. And then we put in the thousand dollars for landscaping and snow removal because you do have to remove some snow. And then there's, you know, always landscaping to do. So about a thousand bucks a year to do that. Preston, am I forgetting anything on the underwriting here?
0: No, I think we hit uh, all the topics here. I mean, the numbers look good. I know we chatted with the uh, property manager to get a better idea on, you know, if the rubs were covering all the utilities, it sounds like they are. So I think we're, uh, we're pretty good here.
1: So going on to the uh, cash flow analysis. So altogether, it should be right around $24,000 a year in expenses. Subtract that from the annual rinse and rubs and you're at $54,000 in change. Subtract out the annual mortgage and this will be principal and interest. That's about $42,000 a year. It's an annual cash flow before tax of about $12,000 per year or $1,000 a month. Now, if you look at that cash flow and the returns, keep in mind, we put in pretty conservative underwriting, especially for the repairs and maintenance. Uh, because, you know, if we plug it at 8% for repairs and reserves, that's basically one month's worth of rents of about $6,000, whatever we said. So, that's, you know, it's a good chunk of money. And there's always some repairs that pop up, um, but hopefully it might be a little bit lower and it might be even more cash flow. But again, always better to be more conservative in your planning than not be. So with our numbers, that gives a 6% cash on cash return. And that's you know definitely higher than we see for a lot of properties. And that's for two reasons. One, this was a better than average deal that we saw. And then also he was able to get more leverage. So the lower down you get, the better cash on cash return you're getting because if he put 25% down versus 20%, he would have had $230,000 in the property. Well, that divided by the cash flow is going to give you a lower percent. But since he was, since he was able to get more leverage, uh, he was able to get a 6% cash on cash return. So this also comes out to a 5.9 cap rate. So I mean, this is basically about a, a 6 cap rate for multifamily. So, when you take it in the location, the conditions in, this was a really, really good deal. I really like this one. And so, overall, you can see it's just a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal play on there. And Preston, I mean, we talk about this a lot of times with clients. Um, how would you explain the pros and cons of going through a local bank with an ARM product versus going through a, a conventional loan? Like, what are those pros and cons in your mind?
0: I mean, typically what you'll see with the local banks is they've got, uh, you know, a little bit different lending guidelines. So depending on the client's situation, you know, they can be good or bad. They're a lot more relationship-based and they're, you know, in it for the long haul. So, um, you know, the downside is a lot of them are not going to offer you long-term financing, especially on, you know, income property. So you're going to be looking at the five, seven, 10-year arms, whereas going with, you know, traditional conventional lenders, you're going to be able to get a 30-year fixed product. Um, but it's basically going to have to fit inside of of the boxes of, you know, the the government-backed lending, you know, Fannie, Freddie, whatever the case may be. So, um, you know, you're still uh, kind of depending on what your goals are and, and the timeline uh, will really depend on what route you go on the financing side.
1: Yeah, and like I said, just to wrap things up here, I mean, just to recap, this is a good property in a great location. And most importantly, it's a good fit for what the client's goals are where he does not want a lot of work he has to do to take care of properties right now. So I can easily hand over a property manager and handle things through the property manager, but it makes sense with what his longer term uh, retirement plans are with real estate. So overall, great property, great fit for the client and great location. So everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, Preston, thank you. And of course, if you guys have questions out there, you need help finding finding properties, analyzing properties, reach out to me, reach out to Preston. You know, we're agents. This is what we do seven days a week. Uh, so we always love helping people to do that. So go to DenverInvestmentRealEstate.com, reach out to us on there and we'll be in touch. Have a great one, everyone.